When I was 23 years old, all anybody wanted to ask me was, what do you do for a living? And what was my response? My response was, I do awesome. I'm Steve Armato, and I started this podcast to interview awesome people who build awesome lives. So now, let's do awesome. On today's episode of Doing Awesome, I'm bringing on a friend of mine, Gino Donati. He's the founder of Bet Openly, and you're going to hear a story or his story about how he got started in the sports gambling industry, what his past was like, and how he came up with the idea to save sports bettors a lot of money by only charging 1% juice as opposed to the sports books, where most of the time you're getting 10%. So this is an episode where you're going to learn the value of hard work, you're going to learn the value of relationships, and you're going to learn the value of actually being able to have your own opinion and form your own opinions by looking at both sides of the story. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Doing Awesome. Gino Donati, Bet Openly founder. How are you doing today? Welcome to Doing Awesome. I mean, with a show name like Doing Awesome, I, I feel like I'm I'm forced to forced to be happy. Just getting in, invited isn't an, is an honor. I mean, listen, man, I've been following you for a long time and, uh, you know, we met on Twitter. I used to do a lot of, uh, stuff in the sports betting space. So like we met on Twitter, I met you kind of through there and through, uh, uh, Peter Sheffield shuffler. So I've been following you for a long time and I, I really think what you're, what you're doing and what you're about is awesome. And I feel like you're really good at also educating people when it comes to sports gambling, but how did you get into this? How did this all start? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, brother. I really, really appreciate the compliment. Petey's a good dude. He, he shoots me texts from every now and then, and it, it makes my day. Uh, wow, how, how did I get into this? So let's go all the way back to, like, as a child, my family gambled. Period. End of story. We would bet on the Niners. We're from the Bay Area, so we'd watch games and bet on the Niners. Um, getting a little cute, my grandpa used to let me pick games for free. Like I didn't understand the math of gambling. He would basically say, Hey, like who's going to win this game and by how much. And if you're right, I'm going to give you money. So as a kid, I was like, well, this is effing awesome. Like I don't lose any money. Probably didn't even understand the concept of money back then, but if I'm right and the team does what I want it or think it's going to do, I get handed money for free. Amazing. And then getting a little darker and true, I wasn't that good of a gambler. If I'm being honest, I lost. I loved it. Lost a bunch of money. Got a fake ID to go to Artichoke Joe's, like the card houses. And uh, my uncles were like, "Dude, no one makes money gambling. Be a bookie." So then, when I was a teenager, I became a bookie. Um, so I hung up the cleats on picking losers and said, "Hey, I'll just take other people's bets." And big bank takes little bank. And yeah, that that's like phase. That's phase one of a. That's my childhood. That's zero to age eighteen of gambling. I don't know if I if I covered too much. No, you listen. Everything, nothing's off limits here. So there's no nothing's off limits. So that's that's for up to age eighteen. And then where did the so I know where did the bet openly idea come from? Because every time every time I see you, really, and you make a lot of sense when you talk about it. Where the books take so much from you, yep. it's like it's hard to make money. So where did bet openly come from and how did that get going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, high, high school turned into college. I then became a fraternity bookie, graduated from college. I was in Silicon Valley, became a bookie for all my homies that were like making money, selling, selling tech. 
Uh, and then I just, you know, I, this is a true story. I, I got, I was at a company called Riverbed and I got recruited to move to a Canadian company and I was in this shared space long before we work. This is like 20 years ago, uh, called rocket. It's rocket space, rocket something. Uh, it was like the first ever shared space I heard of. I'd never even heard of this idea. And Uber was actually in the building. Talk about being close to being a freaking multimillionaire and missing, missing that one. <laughs> So we would hang out with them. We would talk to them at happy hours like they were building. At the time, Uber was black cars only. You would use, use this app to call a black car, not even a taxi or a private wow. car. When I would talk to them, like they would basically say, hey, like we're not going to replace taxis. We're just going to offer people an alternative and we're going to cut out the margins. We're going to basically connect the people that want the ride with the driver and then we're going to make our money. And honestly, nothing clicked then. I was a bookie. I didn't say anything at my office. You know, it was kind of like a private thing you didn't talk about. Right. But nothing clicked. And then uh, Airbnb pops up. Social media becomes really big. And I realized that pretty much like this phase of software, this phase of tech is building marketplaces. Um, there's a really good article about uh, Craigslist and how okay. many successful companies we're just Craigslist offerings. And uh, yeah, we just decided to remove the house. Yeah. I, I mean, that it sounds like you got like a basically an education from, you know, where you were at the time and you came up with this, this idea and it helps people. I mean, look, it does help people. Like I do, I definitely use it from time to time. The numbers are completely different on bed openly. And when you go to a regular book, what don't people realize about how much they're losing from actual books compared to you? Yeah, I think people don't realize that, honestly, deeply under 5% of people make money gambling and right. books are a marketing engine. They're, they're spending millions of dollars to attract new people to lose. And really what they're ultimately doing, if you really wanna break it down, is anyone that starts winning money gets limited or cut off and they keep people around forever that lose. You just don't, you can't, I don't think people realize this. Books can't exist unless they win money. They physically can't exist. So like entering an ecosystem like that, like Uber is a more pure ecosystem. You have someone getting the ride, someone giving the ride, and they're just taking a margin. With gambling, I, I say this often, and I hope this is helpful, gambling's worse than drug dealing. With a drug deal, someone gets the Coke, someone gave the Coke. Someone gets the pot, someone gave the pot. Both parties are happy. With gambling, there's a winner and a loser. Almost no capitalism has an instant winner or loser in that short of a time frame. Gambling's one of the dirtiest industries there is with the most unhappy customers on the planet. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, I mean, that's a great way to put it. Um, and where do you see like in that, where do you see sports gambling going? Like it's progressed a lot over, I think over the last four or five years, it's progressed considerably because it's becoming legalized everywhere. There's, there's different platforms. Where do you see this? Where do you see this going? And then what's your ultimate goal for your, for better openly? Yeah, there's almost no way. Uh, sportsbook know this. They're, they're smart. If you notice, sportsbooks only show you crazy heavy tickets. 
which is ironic because they don't let me get that much money down. So I know the people's tickets they're showing aren't winning money. Um, or they show long shot parlays. Uh, they, they know what they're getting in front of. They, they know kind of like, again, I don't want to be too big of a tech dork, but kind of like the same way banks know that crypto is coming for them. So they're going to demonize crypto for a while. Uh, crypto is going to change banking and peer to peer is going to take over gambling. Gambling will then turn into lottery, essentially. They'll have nuanced bets like a dollar wins a thousand. No one, I'm not going to take someone's dollar bet and risk a thousand, even though I'll, I'll win the dollar. It's not even worth my time to think about it. So they will become the bank. They will bank lottery tickets. They'll push people to making crazy life-changing parlays. They'll show you the one person that won a thousand. They won't, they won't show you the 10,000 that lost the dollar to pay that 1000. And they'll get really into instant. They'll be micro betting. They'll be into live betting, which is not good for peer to peer. They'll be in long shot parlays, which is not good for peer to peer. They'll be into futures. You give the money up front. Think about it like this. If you wanted, let's make up a team. Uh, if you wanted the Niners to win the Super Bowl in, in, uh, September and July, last March, you put your money up front. The book actually doesn't put anything up. They're holding your money. So peer to peer, it's horrendous for futures. I'm not taking your Niners bet and locking in 100 wins 5,000 or whatever. It's probably only 20 to one. So 100 wins 2,000. I'm not locking up $2,000 for 11 months to win your $100. So it's just not a good use case. But when you're the bank, like a deposit at a bank, People come in, they put their future up. You're putting nothing up. You're just taking their money. You're then using their money for the next nine, 12 months. And if they win, they get paid, but they have better margins. So um, books and marketing, if you just watch closely, follow the money, they're going to obsess over their most profitable stuff and not just their most profitable, their most unreplaceable stuff that peer-to-peer -peer is not good for. I add these things onto bed openly because I get asked. But bet openly is really user driven. It's not good to have futures on there, live betting. These are things that aren't they're not good. They're they're better for uh for with a book. I still use books. They're a high end, very expensive luxury service. Absolutely. And I like the way you put that earlier, where you compared it where peer to peer was crypto. Because I feel like now there's you know, I've been into, I've seen your tweets about it and you're into crypto. I'm also into crypto um, where people that don't really understand it or they do understand it and they try to shit on it, right? They do understand what you're trying to do and they try to shit on it or they just don't understand it at all. Um, it's, I get exactly what you're saying and how you're saying it. And I think that ultimately what you're doing ultimately is going to save people way more money and it's going to help people in the long run. And that's part of the reason I, that I wanted to have you on the show, because I think what you're doing is awesome, especially in a world like this. And now I want to just pivot real quick because I need to know, because we're play, NFL playoff time, man. Niners. I know you're a Niners fan. What are your predictions here, man? What are the predictions for the playoffs? So preseason on our DD show, Discipline to Gents, I gave out Niners beating the Bills in the Super Bowl. <clears throat> so uh, I rebet that 
about three weeks ago when the Bills had a chance to make the playoffs. They were looking better, but not. I didn't buy it at the very bottom when they were like six and six. But um, I think the AFC is wide open. Baltimore is scary. They're looking really good. Um, how if, Can they translate that in the playoffs? Will be to be determined. So I do think uh, the Bills have a chance to go into Baltimore and win. They'll, they'll be dogs, and they should be. Um, so I'm riding that one out. And then I, I genuinely believe uh, two things. I think my Niners would have beat Philly last year if Brock didn't get hurt. And I believe we see that now with Brock not hurt. The Niners are the best team in the NFC. Dev, I definitely agree with the Niners being the best team in the NFC. I really, really hope it's not Dallas. Like, I hate Dallas more Dallas than any. Dallas scares me, man. That, I'm not going to lie. I mean, they're good. They are scary. They are scary. Why do they scare you? Is it the, is it more the offense? Is it the defense? What what scares you the most about them? Yeah, you know what scares me. So I'm a Niner fan. My heart got broken. Uh, we had eight wins in a row versus uh, the Rams, and then the Rams beat us in the NFC Championship two years ago. Uh, that that we they they threw up a duck and our DB dropped it. We would have intercepted the ball and most likely won the game. Uh, we've sent Dallas home the last two playoffs, and we beat the shit out of them this year. So we got three in a row against them. Maybe it's even four in a row. Three in a row for sure in the last two years. Uh, dude, NFL teams catch up to each other. They figure out a way. You just you can't even like the crappiest team in like a division will usually find a way to split games every other year. One out of four. It's just a dangerous number to beat someone three, four times in a row. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I just saw it this weekend because. Listen, I'm a Giants fan. I know I have this sign behind me that's in really an Eagles sign, but it's more for my business. It's my bu- it's more f- it's my business motto. I'm not an Eagles fan, um, but I like that in terms. So I keep like the people that work with me on their toes, letting them know like this is us. We're small. We gotta we're we're hungry. We gotta run fast. Whatever, that's fine. But the Giants had lost like f- fifteen in a row, I think, to the Eagles, and they just beat them this weekend, which was that's insane. I mean. I actually, I, I don't think the Eagles are good. I really don't. I think they're a very overrated football team. But like you said, even a terrible team, the Giants are terrible, no matter what anybody wants to tell you. They found a way to beat the Eagles, who are much better than them, but they still aren't a very good football team. But 15 straight? 15 no, straight? It becomes, becomes mental. Like, it becomes a mental blocker. So, yeah, if, if I'm being candid, uh, I, I also said I think the Niners – host the Cowboys. I didn't think the Cowboys were going to win the East. I thought they were going to be a wild card and come to the Niners uh, as the NFC champion NFC champion after beating the Eagles. Uh, but I did say the Niners will beat uh, the, I said the Niners will beat the Cowboys and I said Buffalo will beat um, I either said Kansas City or Baltimore. I forget now. Uh, one of those two. The Buffalo will beat Baltimore or Kansas City. So uh, I could yeah, totally see I could totally see Buffalo making a run. I also can see them losing next weekend because they could they, could, they like they could beat anybody and they could lose to anybody, but they're hot. So I guess we'll see what happens on that end, you know. I, I dropped them in my power rankings and got a bunch of shit. I have them I have them actually one below Miami and everyone's like they beat Miami twice or three times. I think it's three times. Twice, twice, excuse me. This will be the third time. Uh and I just said, guys, like they don't protect the football, and they do it a lot. It's not that they had a bad game. Their their losses, they all don't protect the football. Even on this win, they didn't protect the football. And Waddle and them were out, so Miami wasn't at core strength. It'll be tough to go into Buffalo, but uh, I, yeah, I just 
yeah, I, I meant what I did with the power rankings. I, I think Buffalo can squeak it out, but I have them ranked lower than many power rankings. Yeah, a lot of people, they're like the hot, they're kind of like the shiny new toy. Everyone has, yeah. everyone has them as like top three or four. Dude, they're not. They don't yeah. take football. Enough. That, that pays off. Dude, protecting the football is one of the most important things about the playoffs. Absolutely. And you can't have Josh Allen just throwing red zone interceptions and giving the other team yep. two, three more possessions. It's just not, it's you not just, sustainable. You actually just nailed the second thing is their red zone conversion. Aside from the turnovers, uh, turnovers was one for me and why I dropped them and two of their red zone inefficiencies. So, um, you know, playoffs are different. These teams catch up to each other. This, this, the parity in the NFL is substantial this year. Anyone can beat anyone. I, I truly, truly mean that. I, I agree with you on that as well. I, I think there's going to be some interesting games this weekend. I also kind of think like, man, the meanest thing to happen to the Lions is going to be Matt Stafford going back in and beating them at home. Oh, but. my gosh. <laughs> That's a, Rams are a popular dog play. Let's just say that. Uh, I think Green Bay has more chance than people are giving them credit for. I would Nothing would make me happier than Green Bay beating Dallas. Same. I I to, I agree with that. That would make that would make the season for me because I don't really have I don't have playoffs ever. Um, so both of them won and done. Eagles get sent home by Tampa and Green Bay sends home Dallas. Wouldn't that be great for Giants fans? That would be that would be unbelievable. We have nothing else to look forward to because we'll probably miss on a quarterback this year. So it's it's fine. It's fine. But I'm gonna pivot off sports for for a second here, and you know, you like you spoke about before. Um, having a product like bet openly, like what were some of the hurdles that you kind of had to go through when that was being built and actually getting it to the marketplace? Yeah, shit. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, bet openly was actually founded in Argentina. Country. Wow. I, I, I moved down to Argentina when I, I don't want to say I came up with the idea, right? Cause, cause there was already products that were peer-to-peer there was like bet fair and stuff but none of them did it how bet openly did uh i i I thought the they were running more like stock options and just reducing margin running more like e-trade just a little different of a a beast than what we've built and what we're continuing to build so paspa was not overturned yet this is you know seven years ago i'm down in argentina um running sales development for venture-backed startups and i Built, started building bed openly. Mind you, it wasn't against the law because it didn't exist. There was no users. We were just building what we call in stealth. Um, so I started building it. And I had I, I flew to Panama to buy a condo because you have to own a condo to open a bank in Panama. Wow. And I thought I was going to have to run. This, is, this sounds crazy, but I thought I was going to have to run bed openly like an illegal offshore. Even though I was never going to house bets, I thought I was going to have to go to Costa Rica Go to Anguilla, get a license. Their, their governments give licenses. Or they sell you what we call software licenses. And you're, like bookies use their software. Um, I, that's a whole nother, that's a whole episode if you want. The, the world. <laughs> so there are sites that don't take your bet, but they just rent you software that is designed for bookies to use. Got it. I thought BetOpenly was going to have to be that. Um, and then I'm not fucking with you when I say this. My dad called me. And he's like, you degen, get your ass home. And I was like, what? what, what like, what happened? Is everyone all right? And he's like, go to the internet. You know, I don't have the local news down in Argentina. He's like, go look up this, that, and the other. Pass was overturned. And I was like, what? So I pull up the internet 
And I'm like, holy shit, the government, thanks to FanDuel and DraftKings, which they were the heroes in the space. Now they're the dogs. I can tell you about that story too. But um, they went to the Supreme Court and they overturned PASPA regarding that fantasy sports and sports betting in general can be a game of skill. And what a lot of people don't realize, what that law changed, it's going to sound ironic, is almost nothing but everything at the same time. Most states didn't have laws for gambling because there was a Supreme Court law. So they didn't think a need for the law because the Supreme Court took care of it. So when that was deemed unconstitutional and passed was overturned, it now became the Wild West. A lot of states had no laws. So the prize picks of the world popped up. They were very savvy. They created a new product that checked enough of the boxes. And now what we're seeing is actually the dust not starting to settle, but coming to, it's in the air still, but it's slowing down. Before it was, you know, throwing up in the air. Now it's like settling. We're in between the settling and the up in the air rising. Um, and where we're at right now is what will each state do? So Colorado, if I had to show them some love, I hope they see this. They have been the best state to deal with by far. The most, they understand the business the most. They understand the laws the most. And they're very intelligent when it comes to hearing out both sides of the story. And they are actually intelligent enough to make their own laws based on very intelligent interpretation of the previous laws. So I'll give you an example. They uh, gave us a license for up to 7,500 users, which is great for us. We only have 25,000 in the whole country. So 7,500 in one state, I I'm chilling. I'm good to, you know, assuming complete balance of states. It's 300,000. I could grow, you know, 10 X. Um, and they then will sell you a license if you want to do certain things. So they're like, Hey, peer to peer is great. You're saving people money. We're, we're down with this. You can do this in a small scale. If you start making a certain amount, we then will sell you a license so you can be audited and regulated. So, um, this isn't me round nosing Colorado. I actually think that's great. Um, Again, guys, I, I'm not just an open book, so I'll give you my opinion of why I love crypto. I just don't like government. And that sounds bad. It doesn't make me a Republican. That doesn't make me a Democrat. It doesn't make me a Libertarian. I don't think they're efficient. I think they get in the way of the people and they should represent what's best for the people. And if they truly represented what was best for the people, they would see that every day people come onto bed openly and save 90, 90, 90 to 95% getting the exact same thing. So to monopolize small business out and allow million dollar licenses to become legal bribing to keep people out of a business so you can charge more fees is terrible for the citizens. And this isn't just like my wild opinion. Anyone that knows gambling will tell you, well, what's better paying 1% or 10%, 1% or 20%. It's not that hard to figure out. So if a politician actually gave a crap about betters, it should be the other way around. It should be, hey, you know, peer-to-peer -peer is legal. Let's see what we want to do with these deep, dark casinos. That's just not how politics works. Right, right. And you, you, like, you hit the nail on the head. I feel the same way about that as you do. That's why I like crypto too. Because, and it's not, you know, it's not saying like I hate, the government, whatever it is, it's saying like, 
it's not it doesn't always have the best interest of the citizens in mind and that it's just evolved into that in my opinion like it started as that but things have evolved like it's not the world isn't the same as it was whatever 200 years ago whenever you know what i mean so it's not the I, same as 10 years ago no so it's 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 things are constantly changing and i feel like the government hasn't evolved with with that so yeah they move slow yeah so it's a business right exactly exactly and that's you know you nailed it with that and i like that you went into detail on that because not a lot of people really know how these like you said these licenses or whatever how this stuff works or yeah, how it comes and about I, and i don't want i don't want powerful enemies so i'll try and backtrack a little bit just in case things get taken out of context i'll give you an example with crypto Crypto has a bunch of shady rugs, a bunch of Ponzi schemes and bullshit. So we, we do need regulation. If you give humans complete free market, humans will put their head on, put their foot on someone else's head to stay above water. So humans have showed that already. So I'm not some like wild anti-government crazy person. I, I think the SEC needs to exist. I just think they need to be a little more agile and have industry experts looking at industries. What they have right now is government experts heading government. We don't we don't need that. Like my wife's a preschool teacher. I want the head of schooling in the U.S. to have been a former teacher that like lived the problems front hand. I don't want it to be some billionaire's daughter or some you know some politician that got thrown something. You know, you hear about like someone getting handed the Department of Transportation, but never worked a day in construction or anything with engineering it's like what what right adding any value that's that's they're they're getting handed jobs that pay high and it's, it's a one big clan over in washington so again i don't want to seem like some crazy anti anarchist but i do think government needs a, a a bit of a revamp and to be ran by the people no i i totally agree with that especially my big problem with the way they're doing they're trying to regulate crypto right now is that crypto is a is a younger person's game at the current moment because we understand that we've done the research on it the way they're bringing they're bringing older people in that give the same argument every single time they're like oh well what backs it what is it or are no. the dollar's not backed by anything like we're not on a gold standard anymore so it no. what so the what you're saying is completely irrelevant to the situation because you're not, you didn't do the work. You didn't put the research in. You're just handed this job and you're just going in there thinking like, Oh, this is, this is evil. We have to get rid of it. It's, yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? I lost. What's up? I lost money to books. I right. lost money to books my whole life. My friends and I, I know the system. I know what they do to winners and I know what they do to losers. The system needed a revamping. We offer the same solution at a lower fee and we're able to do so. The The added bonus of using a book is they guarantee your bets are all in. With us, some bets cancel. And I can even, I'm even prepared when the day comes, if I have to sit in front of a court to explain how canceled bets actually help people with the addiction. It's not having that instant fill, being able to market shop and not get exactly what you want helps people with the problem of gambling not demanding action on a game and not getting it um but i, I hope i don't have that day but I, i'm prepared for that day in court i gotcha i gotcha now do you so you've built relationships in and 
around this business over the last however many years it's been, right? So how important how do you like keep those relationships going like in your life and like how do they help you? Yeah, what I would say, I guess a lot of people don't know, it's kind of crazy. I get a lot of love in my DMs from people in the sports books. They're gamblers. They love what I'm doing, but the man pays them. So the craziest thing for me is how many friends I have that look like my enemies on the outside, but they're like, you know, this puts food on my kid's table. I got to, you know, I got to do it. And I'm like, Hey, I, I, that gives me my point about the putting a foot on someone else's head to stay afloat. Yeah. This, there's a lot of good dudes in the space that are in a bad system and system pays all their bills. So, um, I don't, I don't have a problem keeping relationships. I don't have a problem making friends. Unfortunately, they're all behind closed doors right now. I look forward to the day where bet openly is demonized less and people publicly recognize, Hey, you should use bet openly for that thing. Sports books provide a luxury service for other things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you have, I don't even know if you need this. Well, everybody kind of needs it, I guess, at times, but everybody has a different opinion on it. But like, do you have, and it could be anybody, do you have a mentor or mentors that kind of helped you get through all this to lead you to kind of where you are right now? Yeah. So dude, again, I don't want to sound like a tool talking highly of myself, but uh, candidly, I was a street kid, dude. I, I was, a, I was a bookie. I was a pot dealer. I, did a bunch of things against the law to make money. Um, so um, as a under 18 year old, I have a, I have a legal record. Like I'm, I'm not proud of it, but it's the re I, I cleaned up when I turned 18, but I did a lot of stuff. So I understand that side of the business and industry. So I have mentors like that, that are still in the illegal game. And then I went to college. I went to San Diego state, graduated. And I had a good friend that said, hey, brother, like, I know you're making a bunch of cash pushing bags. I know you're making a bunch of cash as a book, but like, can't do that forever. Like, I know you, you know, you're a good dude. You want to, hey, I, I was public. I wanted kids. He's like, you need a real career too. You know, you can have your side hustles forever, but you need a career. So he said, I think you'd be good at sales. You like convincing people. You like talking. You like listening. So I got into tech really young at 22 years old. Actually, excuse me. I was, I sold gym memberships when I was in college. So I loved it because I would text people, meet them in the gym. I didn't have to spend all day in the gym. I would just show up and sign the deal and make you know a couple hundred bucks, really good money hourly back then. Um, so they said, Hey, you're good at sales. You should be selling more complex shit. Uh, so then I started making mentors in tech. Uh, I was fortunate enough just yesterday, this is a true story. Like I hate saying that because it sounds like it's a everything else is a false story, but it just shocks me when I when my wife reflects on my day. I was on a call with a billionaire businessman, helping me shape the roadmap of Bed Openly because he he remembered me having a good personality and being a good kid when I was 25. He's like, dude, you were the life of our office. You know, I wish you were more serious about work, but you were fun and everyone loved you. And I saw your post. I wanted to reach out and I was like, Jesus, man. I'm like, I don't want to say his name, but uh, he moved from Canada down to Turks and Caicos. And I was like, honestly, the fact that you even remember me, like I'm in shock. Like I was hung over half the time working there. 
And he's like, I want to help you. And I'm on the call with him. I get a call from my illegal syndicates. I'm on the call with a billionaire businessman and my syndicates are calling me. And I don't know if you know what that is, but I'll explain it. Uh, before I started Bet Openly, I used to run numbers for the Chicago syndicate. They make really good plays. No one really knows. Like I can give you, if you want like the clickbait, this is going to be a good clip. No <laughs> one knows why the syndicates are so good. I'll give you some rumors, guys. Don't attack me if it's not true. Um, some people think they fix games, flat out. Other people think they have inside information. They just know who's fucking who and who's dating who and who's sick and who didn't get their Adderall or whatever. So they're, do they fix matches? Do they have insider info? Or are they just the world's best cappers? Are they just guys that know sports better than Vegas? The rumor is that they are former Vegas cappers that realize they could wake more, make more money on the underground. So I'm on a call with a freaking billionaire that thought I was a funny hungover drunk and entertained the office and he wants to help me. And I got an illegal syndicate calling me, asking me questions because I, I got out of that game about nine years ago. Uh, so it's just funny because I, my wife is a straight edge, good girl from Queens, New York. And I'm the asshole you don't want your daughter dating in your teenage years. And I try, I try and bring it all together. And I, 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 we go to weddings where you wouldn't recognize the two. I'll just, I don't want to say anything that I get in trouble for. I, I could easily get canceled. I'm, I'm that guy if you had me off camera. Let's just say the weddings we go to in a calendar summer, those two groups of people wouldn't be caught dead in the same room. But we're at both weddings. There, I mean, so, dude, yeah. the way you put that, the way you put that is, is really, really good. You're also, so like, I like going back to kind of what you were saying about, you know, that he said he remembered you from when you were 25 because your personality is there. I, I, you could always see like your personality being there as well and that you're a good guy, but also like you, you. you hear, you hear what people say and you listen and you listen to them too. So you don't just hear, you listen, I should say. So that's what makes yeah. it. You know, and that stuff comes back around that. I truly believe it. Like all of that comes back around. Like if you made an impression on somebody when you were younger, you, and that's the importance to, to me of like not burning bridges with people. You, you never know who's going to be around to, to help you out. So, you know, you know, I'm so glad you said this. Cause I, I don't want this whole thing to be about me. I want it to be like, how can you learn from me and benefit? And I hope a kid out there is hearing this. My number one strength, if you ask all my friends that from kids till now or in recent, they said, you never ripped us off. You were always honest, even when the honesty wasn't the answer we wanted to hear. And there were times we hated you. Like everyone's telling me like I'm doing fine and this, that. And you were the guy that's like, hey, you don't want to hear this, but you're overweight. Or you're the guy, you don't take, you drink too much. Or you, you, honestly, you're kind of a piece of shit with women. But you're still my boy. I'll still get beers with you, but you're not coming around my cousins. And like... I don't know if it was just who I grew into or if it, what's got me laid or what, but it, that's what uh, I've been told why people take care of me. And we've been fortunate that a lot of people have taken care of bed openly and us. A lot of lawyers have helped us that needed just because they said, dude, I only worked with you once or twice, but like you never lied. You always said, yes, I guess being a yes man kind of helps. So like, dude, I, I was, if I needed a drink, I got, you know, I got in a fight with a girlfriend. You always said yes, even if you didn't want to. You're like, man, I'm in my pajamas. I just want to stay in. But fuck, if you need me, I'll be there in five minutes. Um, so 
anyone listening, if I could just sum that up in one sentence, if you can treat everyone equally, you never know who's going to make it. Some guys that this is a true story. Again, I'm making myself sound like an angel and I'm far from it. There were guys that said in fifth grade, everyone made fun of them. And I was like the only one uh, that like went to their birthday party. And these guys are founders of companies. They've taken care of me more than I could ever dream of. So just be nice to people, man. That shit will come back. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And on that note, you know, what this show is about, what does living an awesome life look like to you? So I'm a big freedom guy. I'm, I moved from San Francisco to, to Florida, not for politics. I just was tired of getting told what to do. I, I just want to be left alone. So to me, I don't, I don't have like crazy nice cars. I don't got a bunch of jewelry. I got, I got things, but not, not, not a lot compared to my friends. I believe the number one currency is freedom. I, I work when I want to work. Now, I work fucking 20 hours a day, but it doesn't feel like it sometimes because I'm doing, I don't have a boss. I don't report into anyone. So any day of the week, 365 days a year, I could decide I'm not working for the next seven days. I don't ask for permission. I, I do it. So uh, anyone out there, I'll, I'd say this because I was the opposite when I was your age. Grind out your 20s. Do the jobs that you don't want to do for people. You're going to make people more money than they're making you, and that's fine because they're going to appreciate you and they'll help you later. But use your entire 20s to try a bunch of different jobs and find out all the things you hate. But unfortunately, you can't just do what you love. you got to do what you're good at. There's a really good... Japanese graph. I think it's Japanese. I think it's called Ikijai or uh, let me just spell it. It's I-K-I-G-A-I. And sorry, again, guys, I read a lot. I'm a dork. Um, good. It's, a, it's one of those four, four ring graphs. And what you love is one ring. What the world needs is another ring. What you can be paid for is another ring. And what you're good at is another ring. And again, guys, I hope this is helpful to just one person listening. So what you love and what you, you're good at, that's your passion. That's great, though. That doesn't always pay the bills, my dudes. But what you love and what the world needs, now that's your mission. That's cool, too, right? You're helping the world, making it a better place. But now what the world needs and what you can be paid for, that's your vocation. And then last but not least, what you're good at and what you can be paid for is your profession. So, guys, it's super, super important, man. I, the, the worst DM I get, and I get it... I get it every freaking week and I get it every day probably. I love gambling, Gino. I want to make this my living. Hey, guys, if you don't think every freaking teenage boy wants to smoke pot, drink alcohol, and gamble for a living, you got no empathy. The fact that you think you're passionate about a hobby, get in line. You're not special. You need to be good at it and find out you can be paid for it. That is how it's a profession. If you're not good at it, it will never be your profession, period. Now, you might love it, right? That's cool. It's just your passion, though. So uh, I hope that's helpful, again, to anyone listening. It's the, you can look up, you can Google I-K-I-G-A-I. -I it's just a nice little graph. I keep it uh, as the background on my uh, desktop just to remind me, like, there's shit I love that I'm just not fucking great at. I'm okay at poker. I'm not the worst guy at the table. I love that shit, dude. When I was a teenager, I stole my dad's ID, had an offshore poker account. I was like, dude, I want to be in the World Series of Poker. 
good. I'd be homeless. Dude, that I think the way you put that, like the way you put that, the way you said that is so true because a lot of people that are younger just think I'm going to be good at this because I love it. And that's, that's not even close to the case, man. So I own another company and the women salespeople on my team that hate sales are some of my top producers. They don't like people. They don't like sales, but they make the most money and then they use that money to do what they love. And I'm just telling you, it has nothing to do with what you love. It's what you're good at. And it sucks, man, because some people don't like what they're good at. And now they're like, well, no, you know, I, this generation especially, sorry to pick on them, every generation. Every generation <laughs> is thought lower of by the past generation, guys. Right. So this is no different. It's been for eternity. Um, this generation is a little more vocal about like, I don't want money. I just want to do what I love. Well, good luck paying for things. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And since you said that you're a big reader, do you have a book that's kind of changed the way that you viewed the world? Yeah, good question. So I read the four hour work week. Um, this might sound weird. That probably set me back five years financially. I read this, excuse me, he's a well-respected author with multiple books. I read this pretty stupid book by a very smart guy at e-commerce. And he tried to sell everyone that you can work four hours a week and have everyone doing else your work for you it is completely the most Ponzi scheme, upside down methodology. It makes sense why it made money. Everyone unhappy with their job bought the damn book. So good on him for being an entrepreneur. Looking back on that book, I opened it up the other day and I was like, oh my God, this is, if I didn't read this book, I'd probably be, I'd have a zero after my name. Um, so I don't mean to just shit on a book, but I actually read more now pamphlets more 50 page things, you know, 25 page articles. Um, for me, I think seeing multiple opinions on one topic is far better than diving deep into one person's opinion. I think you'll be blinded by it. So um, billionaires read books. I'm not hating on reading books. Yes. There's actually a really good correlation between the number of books you read and the money you make. That said, I'll be a little against the grain here. I think that has to do more with your commitment to finishing things. And it says more about your work ethic than it does the book. Um, I've read some books and I don't want to shit on all of them, but that got me to see one side of an industry that I wasn't familiar with. And I now thought I was an expert and it set me up to fail. I now like reading multiple pamphlets or articles on one topic and then taking a step backward and forming my own opinion and hopefully gaining the inside of five versus one, but more importantly, seeing both sides of the story. I, I think too many times we talk about these cliche things like there's two sides to every story. We say things for so long that we actually forget that. There is literally two sides of every story and our media does a pathetic job of showing the entire story and they've formed very passionate, uneducated people. Absolutely. Nothing man. worse than having a passion about something you don't understand. Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also the book you were talking about earlier on, I read that too. Did nothing for me. It's it's not it, it just like you said, I don't want to shit on it. Basically outsourcing. He he acted like he invented the term outsourcing. Okay. 
sell someone a service and pay someone else less to do it for you. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, that's all it is, man. And before we get out of here, man, I, for, I want to just say thank you for, for coming on the show. Like this has been awesome to hear your story and just give like, hear your thoughts on things and also educate younger people on really, you know, what, what it takes to be successful, because I think you, you epitomize that. But I have to ask everyone this question, man. What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, Mariah Carey, I want to I dance with somebody. There we go. All right. I love it. No, no, uh, I'm not Mariah Carey. Jesus no, Christ. Whitney no, Houston. Whitney Houston. That's perfect. I love Whitney it. Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. I love it, man. I love it. Tell everybody uh, where they can find you and how they can find you. Yeah, yeah. I own a company called Bet Openly, B-E-T-O-P-E-N-L-Y. Our socials are a little flustered. Like Bet Openly has a business channel now on TikTok and Twitter. Uh, I'm Gino dot, Gino period, Bet Openly on Twitter, on Instagram and uh, TikTok. So if you want the business, it's just Bet Openly. If you want me, the founder of the business, I'm very vocal. I make educational videos. I give out plays. I show people how to read lines and odds. Um, I try and pack in all I learned being on both sides of this industry, actually more than both sides, multiple sides of this industry from bookie, bad, better, good, better, syndicate money, number runner. I have multiple visions offshore, building offshore. So um, I try and show people all that they can't see because a lot of it's not talked about. Uh, And again, if I could cover for myself just in case someone's like he lied or made that up which I, I didn't i don't even know what the syndicate does i just know that they win money i don't know how they win money but they are the best gamblers i've ever seen so i'm not saying they fix games i think they do i'm not saying they have insider information i think they do and i'm not saying they're the best cappers in the world i think they are but they somehow beat the books and I'll tell you this, if you run numbers for them, I have never seen a group of people get shut off quicker. Books shut them off. Bookies shut them off, everyone. So um, just know that why am I telling you all that? Because I have seen firsthand, you cannot beat the books. Now, I just contradicted myself. Let me say what I'm saying. If you beat them, they cut you off. If you lose to them, they keep you on. So you can't beat them. That's what I'm trying to tell all of you. It's physically impossible. They only keep you on if you're a loser, period. Awesome. Awesome. Gino, thank you, man. I really appreciate your time today. And, uh, you know, we will uh, be in touch on Twitter. And um, I will, you know, I- I'm going to keep following. I'm going to keep watching. And uh, we'll go. be in. T- and I, for your sake, I really hope the Niners uh, get you that Super Bowl this year. Man, I, I'm a little baby when they lose. I was. Don't even. I won't even get started. Oh, I got my flight. I got my hotel in Vegas. I don't have my Super Bowl ticket yet. If it's too much money, I won't even go. I think the ticket's like twelve grand. I'll, I'd pay like seven. Um, but I'll be in Vegas for the Niners Super Bowl. Let's just say that. There you go. Awesome, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next Tuesday. I appreciate you, brother.